Ladies and gentlemen, attention everyone. Welcome to No Picks After Dark. It's your boy Nick Burke, and you are now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world with Aaron Dante, giving you the hottest interviews with the dopest people, sharing their experiences from your neighborhood all around to the world. Voted Best Baltimore Podcast by you, the listeners. Now, your host, Aaron Dante. Yo, Aaron, talk to him. And welcome back, folks, to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante, and I'm so happy that you're here with me. I am kicking off Black History Month with a bang. And without further ado, my favorite part, of the, one of my favorite parts of the show is the Ivan Menid. Mr. Ivan Martin, how you doing today, sir? What is up, lovely and beautiful people? No Picks After Dark. What's going on, Aaron Dante? Hey, What's man. up, baby? How you doing? I feel good. I'm happy that happy we got you. This is your episode, baby. This is your this episode. This is my episode, and it's how beautiful and nice for me to bring it right on in with Black History Month fashion, you know what I mean? Y'all can't see me right now, but I got on a Kufi, a Dashiki, and a Shannon Sharp Black and Mild in my mouth. I don't even like sports, but Shannon Sharp, that brother, Skilp, Skilp. I love that dude, man. Shouts out to everybody that's enjoying the Super Bowl this year. We back at it again. I'm from Florida, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hopefully we take it all away. But like I said, Black History Month, we back at it. So everybody like to give out a beautiful little fact during Black History Month. Me, I'm going to give you a truth because truth never changes the fact nowadays. You never know what a fact is. Remember back in the day, Crack Babies? They said Crack Babies was a fact. Well, Netflix said that ain't no truth. Netflix has dropped a documentary called Crack. And I knew this was true already. Back in the day, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia did this little experiment. They took 30 crack babies. And then after that, they tested them, IQ tests, all of that type of stuff. 30 years goes by, all them babies are just fine. The first thing that came to my mind is, you might be a crack baby. You might work for a crack baby. You don't even know what's going on, but you know something? That crack baby perfectly fine, because that was a myth. Come to find out if you have more or just a tiny bit of lead in your system, that is going to cause you way more harm than ever crack would as a child or infant. So from now on, when you see a little kid that's messed up, don't even worry about it. Just know that they got some lead paint on their walls at their house. That ain't their parents. That's the paint. And now we back at it again, man. Beautiful. It's nice. I'm happy. Biden, every time I see Biden, it's like the uncle that only know how to cook one dish. You don't like him that much, but whatever he bring, it's good. You know what I'm saying? It's like whatever he show up with is good. I always thought every president should do something special for black people during Black History Month. And now I feel like I've come up with the greatest scheme ever. I'm going to write a little letter to our president, the POTUS, and I'm going to say, you know what would be really nice, man? Is if every single black person, just for one day out of the month, you can pick whatever day you want to get away with whatever crimes they want all day. Just, just whatever crime they want. And I don't think, you know, black people, we nice. Wouldn't nobody go around go go killing people or nothing like that. It'll just be a whole lot of petty crimes. Like me, I find like an old grand wizard or something like that. And right before it get dark, when he's sitting next to his chair and all that other type of stuff, I sit on down in the bushes and I'd wait. And I kick down his front door and be like, give me all your passwords to your streaming networks. <laughs> and I log into all of his streaming networks and mess up his algorithms. Next thing you know, when he log on, it'll be like Roots, 12 Years a Slave. ladies and gentlemen i love you enjoy the episode my name is comedian ivan martin and aaron dante you are outstanding no picks up the dark love you baltimore appreciate it brother appreciate it brother we'll be right back after these messages visit your neighborhood sanctuary and do wellness 
for a luxurious experience for everybody. Treat yourself and a loved one with a massage, facial, or an entire day of pampering with our deluxe spa day packages that include lunch from the restaurant next door, fire and rice. For more information on booking or purchasing gift cards, visit their website at endowellness.com or call at 443-438-4048. They look forward to welcoming you and your loved ones to their beautiful new space at Soha Union, located at 4801 Harbor Road, Suite 1. And folks, we are back at the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host again, Aaron Dante, and I'm so excited for you guys to be coming back and listening to this wonderful show. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of the show. You know, you, you always, when you get in trouble, you call your lawyer. You got to be like, hey, help me out. Get me out of jail. Okay. Never say, I, I'm not going to say I went to jail or anything like that. But if I was in trouble, I would call this lady up right away. Miss Natasha Axelrod, the friend of the show, the contributor of the show, the lawyer of the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Aaron. You know, everyone loves to hate lawyers until they need one. <laughs> you, hey, listen, I, I got my $2,000 ready right now. <laughs> <laughs> So without further ado, what are you going on? What's in Mr. Natasha's minute? What we got today? Well, for the legal minute, uh, we're it's, you know, not a happy topic, um, but you know, Black History Month. Um, and I think it's important to view some of this through the lens of the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court's role in this part of our reprehensible history of slavery and discrimination. And so you know, this is kind of legal history in, in some sense. Um, and, you know, as we know, the Constitution institutionalized slavery. Slavery was protected by the Constitution. And overall, when you look at what the Supreme Court did pre-Civil War, it really protected slavery and the rights of slave owners and had some really horrifying decisions in this regard. And even after the Civil War and Reconstruction, which we'll talk about in some later episodes, the Supreme Court essentially enabled and protected continued discrimination because the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, even though it was ratified, I think it was 1868, I hope I'm right about that, um, really didn't gain practical meaning until the 1950s, nearly a century after it was ratified, in order to prohibit discrimination. So today I thought it would be important to bring up one of these horrifying pre-Civil War cases, which I think is kind of not really well known about, but it certainly played a big role in leading up to the Civil War. And this was uh, called Prigg versus Pennsylvania. It was decided by the Supreme Court in 1842. And what happened in that case is the court struck down a state law, Pennsylvania law, that had prohibited the removal of persons to another state for the purpose of slavery. So this was really an anti-kidnapping law and also what was generally known as these personal liberty laws, which sought to protect the rights of fugitive slaves. And it also specifically prevented the use of force or violence in, in removing and kidnapping people. Um, and the basic facts of this particular case were that Margaret, Margaret Morgan who, uh, was living in Pennsylvania and she had been enslaved prior in Maryland. She'd been essentially freed by her owner, John Ashmore, but then the heirs of John Ashmore wanted to reclaim her. So they hired this guy, Edward Prigg, who was known as a slave catcher to do just that. He ended up abducting Margaret and her children rather violently and was subsequently convicted of violating this state law, prohibiting that conduct. So he's convicted of kidnapping essentially. And then he fights this all the way to the Supreme Court. 
morally reprehensible as the Supreme Court's decision because they said that the Fugitive Slave Act and the Fugitive Slave Clause in the Constitution made this so that the Pennsylvania law had to be struck down. Um, the Fugitive Slave Act, of course, was a federal law protecting the rights of slaveholders. And so this, this state law that protected fugitive slaves was declared unconstitutional and preempted by federal law, meaning federal law was supreme, and it was struck down. So Prigg, this, this man whose job was to, um, he was a slave catcher, it, he, he, his conviction was overturned. So you hear this, and this is, of course, absolutely reprehensible. Um, and it's one of the horrifying decisions of the Supreme Court in our history, particularly leading up to the Civil War. And this case had other implications, too, because even though the law at issue was struck down, the majority opinion in, in the case said that, that state laws could essentially forbid state officials from cooperating in the return of fugitive slaves. So then this led to more personal liberty laws being passed by the northern states. And then, of course, the response to this was, wait, this, this weakens the Fugitive Slave Act. So another uh, 1850, almost a decade later, there was five laws passed. There were five laws passed in the Compromise of 1850. And one of these was another Fugitive Slave Act trying to, again, protect slave owners. And of course, this all furthered tensions and resentment that would eventually lead to the Civil War. Um, so next week, I want to get into another Supreme Court case, but that I just think it's important to, as, as, as painful as our history is in these instances, mm. you know, talk about these Supreme Court cases. And I think the Supreme Court sometimes gets too much credit because in recent times, you know, in the 1950s, they finally started enforcing human rights, mm. but it wasn't until the 1950s for the most part. So there's a lot of history to cover there, and there's a lot of Supreme Court cases, but Prigg versus Pennsylvania is one that I think is not well known, um, yet really a really important, important in a, in, a, in a bad way in a lot of ways, but um, really kind of a catalyst too in, in the, on the road to the Civil War. Wow. Wow. You know, I've, I've heard that story before. But when you hear it, like, when you sit here and just listen to it, you're like, wow, wow. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about that right now. Yeah, I really brought the the uh, the vibe down with that one. Um, <laughs> it just is, you know, it, the history is really painful and it's painful for people to talk about and hear, but it, it's just, that's important. That's part of it, right? Um, having the privilege of ignoring our history is... Is just that a privilege, right? Um, so yeah. I, I I think it's important to to consider these cases and what the Supreme Court's role has been in shaping our society. Wow. Well, I'm glad. Wow, I, I'm I'm just I'm blown away by that, and I'm so helpful, so thankful that you were on the show to educate us on that because that was really really good information to digest. Wow. Probably appreciate that. But again, where can we find you on social media? Social media, you can find me at on Instagram at at Natasha underscore Axelrod, as well as YouTube, my channel, if you can call it that, is called The Legal Blonde, Natasha Axelrod. And I also have a Twitter, at Natasha Axelrod. Nice, nice. Folks, she's dropping jewels, gems, and knowledge. And I'm so happy that you're part of the show. 
And without with that, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. This portion of the episode is sponsored by Maggie's Farm, located at 4341 Harvard Road. Celebrate Valentine's Day at Maggie's Farm, featuring a three-course prefix menu for $55. Offering a unique menu for this special day that will include an amazing steak option, rockfish, handcraft cocktails, and many more delectable choices. Wine pairings for each course are available for just $20 more. Make this Valentine's Day unforgettable with Maggie's Farm Dining Experience. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday and serving brunch Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. And folks, we are back at the No Picks After Dark podcast. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, you know, we I'm so excited to have this one guest on. Um, I've been trying to reach out to this person. This guy is one of the hardest working people in the industry, man. I just am very, very blessed to have the opportunity to speak with him. Um, I want to give a shout out to a young this lady named Abby Mello who connected us to each other so we can make this happen. Without further yeah. ado, Mr. Ivan Martin, how are you doing today, sir? What's going on, man? I'm doing outstanding. Thanks for asking, brother. I'm doing outstanding. Given the circumstances, but you know, we just, we, we here, but I'm doing outstanding, man. I, I appreciate you coming on the No Picks of the Dark podcast. I mean, it's, Thanks a, for having me. it's, it's exciting to have you on and to tell your story. Uh, when I first heard about Ivan, I was like, who's this guy? Heart, heart of the city. That sounds like Kevin Hart's thing. And then everybody's like, you know, the pulse of the city. This guy has everything. He need, He's a comedian you need to talk to. And I said, you know, I'm always looking for positive people impacting Baltimore City. Yeah. And laughter is good for the heart. People need it during this time period. You know, you want to laugh. You want to be happy. You want to just say, you know what, this is all about. Take your mind off things. Yes. So, again, Mr. Ivan, your turn. Take the mic. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little background. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Tell me about yeah. you. Well, I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County, born and raised Uh you know, and uh, after that, I went off to the uh, military, and I spent some time in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach area, back and forth. Uh, two deployments, Iraqi Freedom and Hurricane Katrina. And um, after I got out of the Navy, man, it just, uh, I knew I wanted to uh, immediately go into comedy because that's what I was doing my last year in the Navy. And I just had to figure out, I just got tired of lying, and making up all type of reasons to get off work to leave. Because, you know, the comedy clubs, when you get booked out of town, you got to do Thursday, Friday. And I could make it to a gig on that Friday if I could get off early. But that Thursday was tricky. So I have to always be like, listen, another aunt died. So I need to drive down to Florida. But I got to leave Thursday because it's a long, you know, it's a long. It used to work every time. So then after that, like around like the last year, I was like, man, I can't keep doing this. Man, I had to make a real decision to either stay or get out and things like that. And then um, I decided to get out. And that's when comedy like really became something that I was really like, like stepping into and you know I always say comedy is something that you decide like you decide if you want to do it and then you start doing it and then you start living it because like to be a comedian is like a lifestyle you know what I'm saying it's like a lifestyle change there's no clock in clock out type of thing you know you're always grinding always setting goals so yeah that's me man and you know I love producing shows uh uh thankfully shout out to my partner um Eddie Lyles you know outstanding comedian and show producer Black Diamond Comedy, Broken Diamond Comedy. Also, uh, check out, check him out. He does great things throughout the uh, DMV area. 
um, everywhere but Baltimore. He also has a few great shows in Baltimore, too, and also my other partner for the DC Comedy Festival, Rob Gordon, who was just on Christmas Lottery, came out on BET last week, man. So um, those two guys helped me run DC. But um, um, putting together Baltimore myself and and um, being able to work with other outstanding producers in the city to be able to successfully put on 100 comedians years in a row and um, 15, 20-plus shows. And just thankful, man, thankful. That's who I am. That's Ivan Martin. I love it, man. I love it. I love that you explained yourself. Um, so give us, so tell me about your growing up. Like, how'd you get into comedy? Like, I mean, were you the funniest kid in school uh, when you were younger? Like, were you the funniest guy in the military when you hang out with the bros? Like, oh, how did man. it all happen for you? Ass like, whoopings. <laughs> no, like, you know, I'm just like <laughs> trying to find a cool way to not be bullied in the house by my sisters and, you know what I'm saying, trying to find cool ways to not be bullied in school, but still get my work done. And then after that, trying to find a way to talk myself out of ass whooping if my mama was in the mood, you know what I'm saying? So stuff like that. That's really what it came from. And um, I would say the funniest, like my sister was a huge influence to my uh, laughter. My, um, shout out to Shay Shay, my, my sister Sharon Smith. Uh, she's a, that's my girl, man. She's uh, 10 years older than me, but yeah, she uh, definitely, definitely, I would say, at that, taught me how to be funny. Like, I developed how to be a comedian on my own going through those, but I definitely say a style of comedy comes. It's a mix of her, um, my homeboy, Maurice Hicks. He, is, he was the biggest gangster. He's the shortest, biggest gangster I had ever known. <laughs> and then after that, he grew up to be, he grew up to be, and I always... Give him stuff for this. He grew up to be, uh, right now he's one of the top performing um, gospel rappers in the nation, man. And he's performed with uh, Ty Tribbett. He's performed on the Gospel BET Awards. So, you know what I'm saying? I love you, boy. Uh, and um, a mixture of uh, AJ and um, Orlando Woods, whom now is a, a producer for T-Pain and um, Young Cash and that whole entire um, Nappy Boys um, record label down there. And, like, we were all in the band, you know? And, like, everybody's still doing what they were doing back then, you know? Like, He's still in the music. He's still in the music. And then what's so crazy is he went from, like, Maurice went from being a gangster to, like, a, a church gangster immediately. Like, it was, like, overnight. So, like, he's still who he is. And it's, like, I still who I am. But um, a mixture of all of that and my sister, I can honestly say, like, that's what it was. I even remember at one point we were all in the car. And so I was, like, me, Orlando, maybe another one of my homeboys. We were, she was taking us to, like, the eighth grade. Um, dance and I never forget this was like the first time my friend saw how crazy my sister was and she was like y'all gonna have a good time he was like yeah we gonna have a good time and the first thing she said was turn around she was like don't y'all be rubbing y'all thing on them girls now and after that it was like what your sister's all like that and I was like yep this is regular <laughs> so I guess so what so was there a comedian growing up that you used to watch on tv for me, it was Richard Pryor. I, I love Richard Pryor. I thought he was the dirtiest thing under the sun, but he was speaking some truths that was really evolutionary at that time that we didn't realize until you look back at it now. Mm-hmm. Richard Pryor was one of my favorite. and um, um, He's the best. Who, do you, who, who would you say you looked at when you were growing up, just looking at the, in the ranks of comedians? I was a huge fan of Martin, man. I, I was I, That era, man, I was like, that was like right around the time of like, you know, right before I want to say like sixth grade and stuff like that so you know um being able to go to school the next day and replay like literally it's like you you almost it's like when do we become actors you know what I'm saying like you go to school the next day and like literally I don't know how you learned how to how we were just recreating these scenes that we would see in movies and like everybody knew how to do coming to America like it was just it was just so I would say like Eddie Murphy 
uh, definitely um, Richard Pryor, but not, I didn't get a whiff of what Richard brought to the world until I became an adult, for sure, you know what I'm saying? But um, but on the low, like the root, like on the low to low, John Leguizamo's the, John Leguizamo's the, the clown. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, that was really, when I saw that as a kid, like I would say that's the moment when I was like, I can do that. Because to me, he wasn't even, like stand-up to me was very intimidating. To me, when I first started doing stand-up, I was trying my best to, n- like, n- not do stand-up. Like, I really, well, it took a while for me to start to tell jokes that have the the rhythm and the equation of normal stand-up. Where it's like, and there's actually a rhythm and a beat and a, a cadence to stand-up. It's like, you know, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
I had a great time. It went good. Did all the jokes I practiced. And then after that, I found a nice groove space. And then I worked out for like a year at this spot. And then after that, within that year's time, other comedians from the comedy club just very rarely would stop through. And when they came through, they was like, oh, are you ready for the club now? And then that's how it happened. But a funny story about that. Half the people that were at the show, and this was in Virginia Beach, that were at that show live in Baltimore now. And it's not through, it's through, like, we all went our own journeys, you know, like, they were going to Old Dominion University, some of them, like, had jobs, like, everybody was, I don't know what the cooks was doing with their life, but, you know what I'm saying, like, that's what everybody was doing at the time. But, like, through, I don't know where the cooks live now, maybe they live in Baltimore, too, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, like, like, what ended up happening was, um, like, uh, through our journeys and like the, another cool thing, like everybody's doing what they were doing back then, the same thing, like everyone's successful in their own right. And I'm so thankful to be able to, to see that, man. So, cause now I can tell people, and you, you always think like, it's tr- is it true? All I got to do is just what I'm supposed to and be good and you know, it'll work out. And it's like pretty much, I ain't trying to say it ain't going to be, I ain't trying to say it's going to be easy, but if you set goals for yourself and just continue to chip at it, then, you know, one day you'll look up and be like, I did okay. Now, how did you end up in Baltimore comedy scene? Like, was it hard coming to Baltimore? Because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a couple things you talk. You, you, you have something that already came out that I watched. <laughs> but um, what do you think about the Baltimore? How did you get here? How did you get to Baltimore? Oh, man. My business mentor, shouts out to Chris Bowens. Um, he was one of the... Only uh, black pilots on the carrier at the time, but he was operating as an um, architect or an engineer at the time. I'm not sure. Um, one of the um, only black graduates out of his class in um, Annapolis. And um, long story short, you know, real recognized real. So I'm just on, I'm very young at the time on the ship. And um, it just wasn't challenging enough at that time. So we were docked in port. And I went and got another job as the assistant to the director at the at the YMCA in Portsmouth. So long story short, he saw me leaving one day, you know, shirt, tie, slacks, shoes. And he's like, hey, you going to church? And I was like, no, sir. You know, he was like, hold on, hold on, where you going? Hey, uh, you got, what, you, what you about to go do? I was like, I'm about to go to work. He was like, you got a job? And I told him, I was like, yeah. And immediately he was just like, uh, I don't know. I guess he he became, he was like, man, let me mentor you, man. We started hanging out, and to this day, he's a close friend of mine. Shouts out to my comedy mentor, Quincy Carr. But yeah, um, Chris Bowens, he, uh, we, we did many other business ventures together and things of that sort, but he's from Baltimore, um, Polly um, alumni, and he um, had a condo and wasn't living there because he, I think he was just, he just wasn't living there. He bought the condo, it was downtown. And he was like, hey, you want to come here and get your feet wet for a while? You can stay here. So, you know, took advantage of that for <clears throat> as long as I could until, you know, got my things in order, and solidified positions, and then immediately started to try to get my feet wet, wet while still doing things with him, meeting with Ed Hill, presenting ideas, um, meeting with Joe Haskins of uh, Harbor Bank, things like that. You know, getting my feet kind of had the opportunity to have breakfast with uh, Eddie Brown, you know what I'm saying? And, wow. like, just getting my feet wet in, you know, the trenches of Baltimore and the history and um, his network, you know, meeting a few MBEs, you know, my minority business enterprises and other entrepreneurs that's been here doing things. And um was like, okay, got my, like, I kind of got a sense of, like, my independence. And I was like, let me get my own spot. And I was like, you know, let me move to another area. 
And um, I lived over at Penn North one, at one point by accident. That happened. <laughs> um, but uh, I was like, man, I can't wait. I'm just going to pick a spot. And then I was like, okay, no, nah, I should have waited. You know, but, <laughs> um, it all it, it worked out. But um, yeah, that's what that's what really like let me. I, I reached kind of a glass ceiling in um, Virginia Beach at the time with 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 what I wanted to do with my comedy. And I was going through a really weird time. I was twenty four, twenty five, and I had been doing comedy at that year at that point for like maybe like what. I mean, like four, no, not even, maybe, what, three years, maybe four years? I was, so I think I was like 26, because I remember feeling like I should not be this old and feel this way. So I had, my comedy was start like starting to change, but my environment wasn't. So people that had been seeing me for years, and now, like, I came out, but now I'm starting to curse. Now I'm starting to talk about sex. And it just, like, other comments could go on and say the most, and I didn't, I wasn't uh, vulgar or derogatory, like, nothing like that. But I just wanted to be an adult on stage, and people would just be like, oh, no, do the, do that family, do the thing with your grandma that you did. And I'm like, I, I'll do that later. <laughs> Let me talk about some other stuff. So um, that's what I mean. Coming to Baltimore definitely gave me a, a, a space. It gave me a new canvas to uh, paint on and, since people weren't used to seeing what I was painting before, they didn't have a, they didn't have any expectations, and my level of funny and professionalism was already kind of at a certain like level of good, so it was kind of like boom, I'm ready. So, I like hit the, hit the scene running here. I love I love hearing that. That's that's what it's all about. To be honest, I like hearing how you transform from one area mm-hmm. to another one because. You have to adapt. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day. You can't stay stagnant. You can't tell the same jokes you told five years ago. Mm-hmm. The world has changed, as you know, in the community comedy field. I mean, we were talking about uh, Delirious and Raw. It's crazy. I watched that a couple of days ago, like a week ago, when I was like, this is funny, but it's not acceptable now. Mm-hmm. You can never say the things he's saying now in society. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about further about comedians' growth because. A lot of and you you're you've been around as so many and mm-hmm. you know it's a lot of them can't get out that that you know that 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 yeah. that stage where it's you know mf or this 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 you know you can't do certain things and knowing your audience so we'll get into we'll get into that let's do it so you know what like you I mean you talk about a lot of things I mean I watched I've you know I did my homework on YouTube I looked at you know you did a great you know you done some things you talk about the Baltimore gas station and all that stuff Oh man and is Baltimore a rough audience like is it a rough audience in Baltimore and when was the first time you got booed in Baltimore like when you I ain't got, never got booed in Baltimore <laughs> I ain't never been booed I ain't never got booed in Baltimore rocking on all this wood baby So yeah uh, no dice but uh <laughs> Um, I have, I've had a rough set, but nah, no, thankfully. And then maybe, maybe I don't take enough risk. So, you know what I'm saying? Shouts out to other, I know other comics watching this right now. I'm like, oh, I don't be wanting to go up when there be four people in the room. You're right. I don't. But anyway, see, I find places to suck at that you will never hear about. Like there are very comfortable places for me to suck at. And my comfort zones for me to suck at may not be your comfort zone. You know, and then on top of that, it's like people expect you to be funny now. <laughs> so it's kind of like it's hard to find a comfort of hard to find a comfortable space to bomb at, man. I, and I and I look for them all the time. <laughs> but before you know it, it's like 
Hey, man, there goes, it's like, hey, there go Ivan. He's funny. You're like, damn, I got to be funny now. <laughs> right. And don't get me wrong. You always are funny. But I love a space to just be like, all right. And that's, I love going out of town doing mics. Like, I love it. I love to go out of town, do a mic, and, you know what I'm saying, just be like a ghost. And, like, no matter what happened, it's like, man, that dude was cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like doing that. It's funny because when I reached out to Abby Mello, she's a comedian in Baltimore City, and um, I was like, I need to interview some comedians. I want to get into that space. I want to get – I want to feel the, the vibe of Baltimore so I can shine a light on that. Mm-hmm. And she, like, first was like, all right, Aaron, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> You can't interview half of these people. And I said, why? She's like, because I know your audience. (laughs) (laughs) Because she was like, I know your audience is going to go back and listen (laughs) to them Mm -hmm. after and be like, ooh, that. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, it's not a family. It's not a family show per se. But again, we do have, I know my audience. I know my boundaries. I know where Mm -hmm. I can go. I know where I can't go. Mm -hmm. You're not going to hear me have somebody who's cursing every five seconds or saying your mother this or your, mm-hmm. you know, or your something about sexuality, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. That's just, we don't do that here. We do, we, we just don't. And she was like, I need you. I'm going to find you somebody. And then I asked another comedian, asked another comedian, and your name kept on popping up. <laughs> so I'm like, hold Thank up. you for hold, that, man. Like, Thank like, you to my family, man. I'm these like, guys are my family. I moved in by myself, man. So all these guys are my family. Thank you, man. I'm like, who is this guy? He black Jesus communist? What's going on in Baltimore? <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 you know, anytime I have a, uh, anybody, a guest on my show, I research him. I want to know everything about them. I want to know, okay, they had that joke there. Oh, that joke there. You know, how do they present themselves? Are they professionally outside of work? If somebody sees them in the street says, oh, I, I liked your comedy, will they come up as part of my French and asshole or are they going to come up as a nice person? Mm-hmm. You know, you want that because it's a reflection of you. Yeah. It's your brand and you got them on your show. You know, I can't be crazy like Joe Rogan and have whoever, yeah. whoever he wants to have one. <laughs> if I'm making Joe Rogan money, I might start acting fool like this, <laughs> but I'm trying to make it out here. So, again, kudos to you Thank for you, having – you know what? I mean, it's like what Scarface is. I only have is my word and my you know what. Yeah, man. And that's very important to people. Man, I mean, uh, it, shout out to uh, other comedians that are like, doing their thing in the city, man. Shouts out to Ty Davis. Shouts out to Sir Alex. Shouts out to uh, Sully's that's continuing to provide you guys with comedy out there in the county. They're trying to stay within all the COVID rules and provide you guys with as much laughs as possible. Shouts out to, uh, like I said, my two partners for the DC Comedy Festival. Just like, shouts out to everybody, man. It was, I remember one time we was in the uh, OMG Kyrie on um, Instagram. He's also a huge asset to art of comedy. Um, Garrett P. Harvest, um, Maria Sanchez, Dark Mark Joyner, and Archie Jameson. Like, those guys are like the art of comedy, like family, and as well as my homeboy, <clears throat> Eric Glacier, and Elizabeth Norman. Like, these are like guys that like, like the art of comedy family to me. Like, but um, um, shout out to Chris Galetti and Mike Smith too. Um, so anyway, all of that means- uh, it was like, all right, we, we're going on the shout out list. I like that. <laughs> but you know what? I respect it because you always remember where you came from. You remember the people who helped you out and was long. And I love that. I yeah. love, I love hearing that. Yeah, love- shout out to Phoenix. Make sure you spell her name right. I got fussed that many times. <laughs> it's like, but um, like long story short, man. Shout out to Big Fred and Little Lab. Shout out to Karagu Vito. <laughs> long story short, man. It's like one of those things where. Um, these everybody I named at one point in time has patted me on the back and kind of made me feel like what I'm doing, like not only what I'm doing is the right thing, but they're proud of they're proud of the fact that it's me doing it. So you know what I'm saying? That means a lot to me. I remember one time, like uh, Ty was talking to Kyrie about something, and Ty was like, "Man, everybody know Ivan the plug." <laughs> 
And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. For my audience, the plug is the hookup. Okay, so I want to make sure that, you, they, that the word plug is the hookup. I was like, man, and, and things like that mean a whole lot, man. And then shout out to Alabama over at the Baltimore Comedy Factory, like businesses like that that are staying, just staying here trying to make, trying to continue to create this comedic art. Shouts out to Magoobies that's in Timonium that's, and, and Andrew that's over there like, putting together great things. Shout out to Matt, you know what I'm saying, Matt Brown, you know, so, yeah, that's it. No, 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 you good, you good. So, folks, we'll be right back after this real quick word from our, from our sponsor, all right? Be right back. This portion of the episode is sponsored by Found Studio Shop. Looking for unique gifts curated by an artist? Shop online at foundstudioshop.com and explore a delightful selection of gifts for Valentine's Day. Handmade jewelry, ceramics, cards, and more. Or pamper yourself or your loved ones with candles, gift boxes, and locally made bath and body products. All of this and more is available for shipping or local pickup at Red Canoe in Northeast Baltimore. Browse whenever the mood strikes at foundstudioshop.com. And folks, we are back from that break. And um, we're going to talk about hecklers, man. Like, cause I already, I've been to one show where the heckler was going hard. And God bless his soul. I went to see Charlie Murphy down in Baltimore. And Charlie, God bless his soul, one of the best comedians that yes. did live. Yes, R.I.P. And this dude was heckling Charlie Murphy. And I was, as a Rams head, I'm like, yo, and, and, Charlie Murphy went in. Mm-hmm. Like when I went in, like I was, I was in tears. Yeah, because dude was drunk. Dude was drunk. Dude was feeling, feeling like Hercules and trying to say stuff. So, have you ever encountered See, that? What, what do you do when that happens? Like, does that throw you off your game? Man, that happened in my early one time, and that was, and I wouldn't even call her a heckler. She just, no, I've never actually had a heckler. I've had someone interrupt my set for uh, just. You know, just be, you know, because sometimes, you know, people want to be a part of the show. Sometimes people are like, that was funny. And you'd be like, all right. And you're like, that's like a, that's like a good level to stop at. But after that, you can't be like, that was funny. My auntie be doing that all the time. And you'd be like, hey, now, hey, now, you with the bunny outfit on, we don't have to, you know, whatever, you know, and it's just like, and then after that, I'm so, no, because I, I kind of try to shed things. I don't try to. I kind of, because I'm very snippy when I'm like, if I'm really having a good time on stage, like, I'm very like, pow, pow. Like, I try to be like, because it's just like I'm in my zone. We're having a great time. And there is a flow. There is a back and forth that should come with it. But outside of that, man, uh, I have had a kid one time show up to a comedy show. I was performing on um, Norwegian Cruise Line. Shout out to my agency, man, Levity. What's up, Joe? Shout out to all my boys and my friends out there. Man, I know y'all can't wait to get back out there. But anyway... I remember one time, man, I was um, performing on a cruise ship, and you're not supposed to bring kids to the late night show. And it was a late night show, but this kid just strolled around. And I get it, because like, at the, the late night show, there's something that was going on in the theater, da, 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 contingent upon the night. You know, security will give you a head nod. You'll be like, hey, y'all good. I, you know, we're going to walk the audience out. They're going to be yeah, like, yeah, 10 more minutes up in the show, we good. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you get comfortable working with a crew. And, you know, sometimes they'll leave right as soon as the show starts. They're like, all right, I got it, man. Boom. So them not knowing, usually the comedy is like the rowdiest audience. So, you know, a lot like um, this kid just walks in holding a Chucky doll wearing pajamas. And it seemed like somebody, like, knew this was going to happen because it was just one seat open right in the front. And he just came and sat down. And I felt so disrespected. I was like, you know what? 
you need to do this show with me. So, yeah, the rest of the time, me and the kid just kicked back and forth and had a good time. And usually, those whenever you have a family show, that's usually what you end up doing. You find a cool way to incorporate your material into a way where it's not offensive for youth, but their parents still get it. It's almost like a Dr. Seuss movie. You got to turn, you got to, like, kind of be able to, like, 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 say things that everybody will get, but have a wink to it. That You know what I mean? So... Yeah, but to answer you fully, nah, it ain't never happened, man. I don't have those issues. So you, we talked about you might have had a rough set before. Mm-hmm. How do you bounce back from that? How do you get right back on the horse? I mean, just I mean, I know like it's like I'm like an athlete. They have a bad game. How do you mentally prepare to get back on the get back on that stage and say, you know what, I'm gonna come out and slay it tonight, next next night? Or do you wait a week? Or do you try to get back up there right away? Like, do you try to get to the next show? Or do you just say, you know what, it is what it is. I'll catch you next week <laughs> when I get back to it. It depends upon. How much your bills need to be paid? That's what it, that's what it really did. You can't, well, yeah, because pretty much you, if you got shows booked, you got shows booked. You can't be like, man, I wasn't feel I didn't have a good game last night, coach. So sit me down this one night. Nah, that ain't, it don't happen that way. So usually, you know, you just you get them the next one. You know, <laughs> usually that's kind of how it goes. But me, if I'm having if I'm having great sets. And like I'm I'm trying I'm going to other dojos and I'm kicking ass. I'm going to other. Then I'll I'll get to a space where I kind of try to just wait for another great opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Rather than, you know, going. If I know I got five shows coming up that are all 200-plus shows, then I'm only going to try to do stand-up in, like, 100-plus. I'll try to go to somebody else, big show, and ask for a guest spot. Because I can go to a show that's, like, 30 people, but something could happen there. And it's almost like I wouldn't even do the same type of jokes in the same type of way for 30 people as I would for, like, a theater setting. All right. So you, you talk about something. I like that. You're, you're knocking on something. So do you tell the same jokes you tell on Norwegian Cruise Line as you tell Motorhouse? <laughs> yes and no. Because that's a different audience, right? So yeah, you, you, yes and you're yes, adapting. Yes and yeah. Total, total, like my, I have, like, a small little equation for it. I say you should take your audience into consideration as much as possible without compromising yourself any percent. So it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a thin line between funny and not, you know? So it's like, you kind of, kind of, I kind of, once you figure it out, you figured it out. It's like, it's, it's once you know how to write. Like, so yeah, usually, and usually sometimes when you're on stage, you can figure that out within the first minute or two. You'd be like, okay, this is, this is the type of audience this is. Okay. I can do this now. So yeah, Totally. And some and it's weird. If I'm leaving from New York, I will perform all of my dirty stuff. All of my, <laughs> I, I will get as, I will get as Baltimore. Like I will get in my bag. Like yes. I will get. And no, no, I'll just, I'll just be myself a hundred percent. Like I feel like I don't have to, um, I don't have to look in the look in the stash and be like, okay, yeah, this will be good for this. It's kind of like, oh, we can loosen up because they're New Yorkers. And a lot of them live there. Whereas when I leave out of Miami, a lot of people are traveling from other countries or traveling from other places in the United States just to fly in Miami and be there for that day to leave on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. So it's really funky. And then if I'm leaving out of the West Coast, believe it or not, for whatever reason, a lot of them will be foreigners. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funky soup that you got to try every time out there. And, and I actually like it. I like it a lot. It's a... Because I love diverse audiences so much, I love every time being able to get a, and they give you stats. So sometimes I know 30% of my audience doesn't speak English. 
So I know now it would assist if my style was a little bit more animated. You know what I'm saying? Like, so all those things help. You, this guy's dropping jewels and knowledge right now for you <laughs> folks out there, you know. I mean, because I know a lot of people who want to get in the comedy field and you're just dropping some jewels and knowledge. And I'm going to ask that question towards the end. What do you? What advice do you give out to people later? And we'll ask. We'll, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk. We'll get so <laughs> you saw my face. Like I saw your I face. <laughs> I saw your face. We going. We going to stick. <laughs> All right, folks, and we'll be right back after these messages. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself. And try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery. And they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. Tell us about Heart of the City. Give the, give the audience a little bit of background the Heart of the City um, what's that all about? How did you get involved with that? Tell me, like, so is it hard to see, obviously, it deals with Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. He went around to a lot of major cities in the United States, correct? Mm-hmm. And he looked for comedians. Mm-hmm. And with the, if the comedian won, they, how many rounds, this is where you fill in. How many rounds do you go through, and how do you, and then what's the end result of it? So what, was Baltimore by itself, or was it Baltimore and D.C.? How did they do it with Harder City? Tell Baltimore, them. Baltimore was by itself. Okay, awesome. That's that's, and, that's first good thing. And before I even go any further, let me say this comedian's name. I said it again earlier. Um, his Instagram is O M G Kyrie, spelled K H A I R Y. Um, if it was not for this young comic's tenacity, uh, grind, and energy. Then Heart of the City, even Joey Wells, whom is um, a part of the Plastic Cup Boys and um, on the Kevin Hart podcast, and he was the producer of the show. So much to the point that when I spoke to Kevin, I was like, hey, thanks, Kevin, for, put, for the, continuing to put on um, comedians. He was like, no, 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 no. My name is just on this. This is actually all Joey's doing. This is Joey. So Joey even said if it wasn't for this guy, he, he wouldn't even. So Kyrie went up to New Jersey last year when they were doing the um, auditions or things there. And basically spoke to the producer and no hit his story. He literally snuck in. He like waited, like waited by the security door and just begged to help, like bring in stuff. But like, like, like got next to the person he wanted to and was like, "Hey, I'm I'm a comic, and I live in Baltimore City, and I think you're overlooking the city. Mm. I think you're jumping. I think you like. I think you guys went to D.C. and overlooked Baltimore and jumped to Philly for a season. And then, and then after that, he said, Joey said that really stuck out." And so the next time they were doing the cities, they, he, he said, let's see what Baltimore has to offer. So after that, the next per, um, important person to bring up is um, comedian Larry Lancaster. You have a, I have a comedy mentor. Like, that is my comedy OG. That is my big bro. Like, that is, like, comedian Larry Lancaster. Um, you can catch him on 88.9 on Saturday mornings. Um, but, yeah, man, um, great, great. Like, just because somebody's your mentor don't mean that you can't help them, too. And I think, like, every mentor, like, that's how you become a great mentee. Help your mentors, you know what I'm saying? So, like, um, Larry um, hit me up and was like, yo, um, I got contacted by, because, you know, he's the OG. Mm -hmm. And he was like, man, but I want to talk to you, because they told me to put together an audition. 
They said we need to send in the tape of um, all the 25 comedians that are picked. They said we need to da da da. He was like, I mean, just hook this shit up. Come on, man. And I was like, all right. So I made some phone calls. I was able to get the um, Eric Glazier along with um, Eddie. I'm sorry, not Eddie. Um, Joey Alinsky. Yeah, ended up. Um, <laughs> See, that's, that's, see, I've been so good on names this whole time, man. It's all good. It's all anyway, good. Anyway, man, well, but of, of ATB, um, and ABT Productions, um, they are um, a nice videography company, do great things. But, um, yeah, long story short, my man Eric Glazier, he came through and filmed it and everything else like that. We were able to send in our tapes and all 25 auditions, and those names were picked upon. The, just the top 25 um, urban comedians in the city, and um, I was one of three picked. And in the season, of course, like comedy goes, they they rank like they put. I was the last set of the show, and everybody was like, "Man, you had the best set." And I was like, "It was presented so well. Like, it, it was good, man." So that's how I ended up. That was that process. And the other process was they they did venue scouting, and I think it was it was UB Blake, maybe UB Blake, but I know another one was the Cultural Arts Center downtown that was right up the street from where I had my, where Art of Comedy originally started, Platform Arts Center. Um, and he hit me, and they were like, yo, Motorhouse, because Motorhouse had just got, not Motorhouse, Art of Comedy had just received, like the year before that, the um, award for best showcase in the city. And I was um, doing monthly and I was producing as a partner headquarter for the comedy festival at Motorhouse. So they said, yeah, so when, when the producers came in town, they were like, um, show me around. So I'm showing them around the venue and they would be speaking to people in the city because I didn't, I just wanted the city to win. So I was like, just, I didn't even present or pr introduce myself as a comedian. So the producers, like, they were like, hey, show me the venue. I was like, okay. So I'm showing them the venue, da, 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 and as they're walking around, they would be talking to people. So, hey, could you tell me who in your eyes has um, been a standout comedian? And I'm standing right there, and people would be like, they would make a face like, Ivan. And so the producers would be like, oh, you're a comic too. And I was just like, hey, man. And it was like, yo, I appreciate you for not coming up to me being like, hey, hey, I do comedy. Mm -hmm. So, because I wanted to be, I wanted to be, as fair as hell. Like, if I got picked, I wanted to be picked for the righteous reasons. And I know, and um, thankfully for me, it worked out so smooth because that whole, my whole, can I tell you, like, my whole part of the city thing was, like, a, like a total crying experience, man, because I was very thankful to get it. And then while all that was happening, um, the week that it came out, no, the week that we were, uh, Filming it, the week that we were filming it, that same week I had a chance to bring Dave Chappelle to the stage when he went to uh, Morgan State to do the thing with Ben Jealous. So that happened, and then, no, it wasn't the week. It was the week I was flying to L.A. to, to meet with Kevin to do the thing. So it was Dave Chappelle, and then after that, days later, I'm in L.A. with uh, Kevin Hart. So this is the crazy part now. You already blew my mind already. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the crazy part. So... At this point, I'm like uh, 15 years. I'm 14 years in comedy. What uh, I think, uh, yeah, 2021 will be 15 years for me. So next thing you know, um, go back 10 years ago, Kevin Hart gives me my first radio interview. So he comes in town, 
And I never forget, there was this guy, this was in Virginia Beach, this guy's passing out, his back flyers goes hand to hand. He ain't wasting no flyer on the car. So, like, people, was, he was passing out flyers at the club. Club was getting out. And this dude passed me a comedy flyer to, you know, Kevin Hart coming to Newport News. Da-da. And I was like, huh. And I remember just looking at it going, huh. And then the dude standing, I don't even know who this guy was. He just was a guy that was just knew who I was, just performing at the comedy clubs. And he taps the, the dude with the flyers. He goes, yo, man, you need to get this kid on your show. This kid right here did it. And he was like, yeah, I see this kid at the Funny Bone. See this kid? Shouts out to the Funny Bone. Really helped me launch my mainstream career. But um, long story short, the guy was like, okay, man, I'll give you a spot. And I was like, cool. So he said, look, man, we're going to pick Kevin Hart up from the um, airport. I be picked Kevin from the airport. We're going to do the news. Da, 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 da. So the guy just let me roll. And Kevin, like, really vouched. And at that time, I kind of had a little, I had, a, I had the average 24, 25-year-old lifestyle. So I'm like, yo, you want to go over here? You want to go over there? You want to go? Like, so we like going everywhere, having a great time. So it was, that was that. Had a moment. And, you know, I even had, he was like, hey, take my number, man. Da, 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 da. And, you know, you never need a reason to call Kevin Hart. But it was like, okay. So uh, definitely tried it one time and it wrong. But anyway, <laughs> long story short, um, years later, fast forward. Everybody's in the room. Kevin's walking in. We all the comics from the season. Somebody meet Kevin. And I'm telling people, like, other, I'm telling Ty, I'm telling Alex, I'm like, hey, man, I done met Kevin before, y'all. You know? And they both like, yeah, all right. You know, like, you know, they're like, yeah, all right. Whatever, Ivan. Whatever, Ivan. I'm like, all right. So Kevin walks in, and he goes, hey, man, nice to meet everybody. And you know how you speaking, and you stop when you see, he just walks in, with, they, they, like, like it was setting up the scenes, like, hey, man, nice to meet everybody. And he's, he looked at me, and he just leaned in, dapped me up, and goes, long time no see, baby. I was like, yeah! <laughs> I couldn't believe, I, I couldn't, like, that to me was just, because to me, in this game of art, the highest level of respect is remember me. You know, I've he's seen my stand up. I've opened up for him like three or four times in the past. So, like for for him to just be like long time, I did, I couldn't believe it, man. We we shot the scenes, and then it was like cut, da da da, like you know, like repositioning cameras, whatever. Maybe in between the scene, I'm just like, did that just happen? And I ain't even believe it. I said, Hey, Kevin, man, do you really remember me? And he made a face. He was like, Yeah, man, what are you doing? Yeah, I was like, Man, that's crazy. So then, you know, it was just a great experience, man. So from that, I mean, then they came to Motorhouse. Mm-hmm. Comedy Central came here. Yes, man. That's that. that's huge. I mean, that's huge. I mean, you want so give people give give you know, what they call give me give me your flowers. That's oh, young people give your flowers give because my flowers while I'm here, man. So, I want my chips with the dip. <laughs> Who wants some dip? And they and I, you were live. I got the chips. You did. Oh, you know we got we got everything here for you. Yeah, baby. Oh man, I was it was man. I'm gonna tell you like. True lesson, and I learned this. Larry told me, true lesson, because you remember Kevin Hart went through some issues with the Oscars, and that's what we that's what we kind of like. I talk. got affected, so we shot it, oh, and it wow. was supposed to come out in January. It ended up almost coming out close to six months to a year later. So Oscars, it was like February, March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, what ended up happening is that delayed us by a long, like, like continuously emails, like we thought it was going to come out and then da-da. And that was just like sitting on pins and needles because then it turned into, thought you said you was going to be on TV. And that, yo, that was crushing. Like that was 
if ain't nobody else going to admit it, I'm going to admit it. Like, that was devastating. Like, that was kind of like, but at the same time that, that the Kevin Hart thing happened, at the same time, the agency hit me back to start doing Norwegian cruise lines. So my career was getting into a solidified space because I had just started getting comfortable with, you know what, man? I don't necessarily need to be a famous comedian. I just want to be good and respected and be able to have it pay my bills. Because there's tons of comedians that make millions of dollars doing this, doing writing, colleges, all these other type of things. I've taught comedy courses. I've taught comedy youth courses. I've written courses for Esau students for a fun way for them to learn the English language. Like I've done, so there's so many great ways to utilize this, this talent, but like I just... I, I gave up on the TV spot. I gave up on, I was like, you know, I just want to be respected. That's it. I just want to be a good comic. And it was happening. And I, then after that, the Kevin Hart thing came out. I was like, nah, baby, we back. And then after that, it was like, nah, baby, we not back. And then mm. everybody was like, hey, man, what happened to the, hey, what happened? And you know how, you know how people be. You know, oh, you know, you know, you know, people talk, they talk real quick. And then after that, you know, you'd be like, people talking to you like Lorenz Tate in the pool hall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thought you said you was gonna be on TV. (laughs) Yeah, you here with me. He's like, man, ain't nothing, man, when I go on stage, man, when is my turn? (laughs) And and that's cool, that's cool, but you know, it that that was scary. And then when they announced that it was coming out, man, it, it and that and it happened. You just never realize, like, like that's something I've been dreaming about since laying in bed being, like, seven, eight years old. Mm. Like, that, you know, I hear that moment. I've seen myself on TV before, but not doing that. You know what I'm saying? And it was kind of like, man, it got to the point where after that, because I had already started, like, I was already doing the cruise ships. Mm-hmm. I already started, I had my showcase. Already, the festival was already popping. Like, everything in, the, in my comedy career was coming together. And then when that finally happened, man, I could not. And then, so it was like, that happened. And then a week or two later, I had another cruise. I was like, you going to Jamaica, Honduras? So I was like, great. Man, when I went on that cruise ship the next time, I cried all day, every day. Mm. And it was just like, it was like total happy tears, man. It would be like, I get on stage, do my set. And it was totally different now, because now when you come, when you hit an MC now, he's like, you've seen him on Comedy Central. It's like, oh, man, it just feels different, you know? It was just like, like, to this day, I still have those moments where I just reflect, man, it'll bring a tear to my eye. Does it bring you goosebumps when, you, like, when it comes on Comedy Central, or if you look at it on Comedy Central, you know, on demand, like, do you? Yeah, that's the only, that is the only tape I don't mind watching of myself. Okay. Like, that's how, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know you don't like listening to your, yourself. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Exactly. I don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but it's because we critique our art. You know, you're your worst critique. But, yeah, that is that. Oh, and then on top of that, like, that you only get, they say maybe five in your life as a comic of, like, a perfect set. If you look at that set, that is the most, that is a, I've, people have told me. I, even when we were recording it, I remember ending with one second left on the clock. Like, I remember looking back at the wall, and it's like, and then also for them to come to the space where I started my Baltimore, like, comedy, like, productions at and everything. Man, phew, I don't even think. But, yeah. but you know what? That put Baltimore on the map again. And it I'm, really did. I'm it really did. That. That's, I mean, it, shall, it highlighted Motor Motorhouse. It did, man. And you then know? after that, like, like, if it was, I had... I can't wait until we back out, man. I have so many things 
in place to continue to leverage um, art of comedy and more comedy productions throughout the city and the Baltimore Comedy Festival. And it's here. It's here. I mean, and I, I mean, I can attest, I was watching them online. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, these guys. And then I remember my cousin was like, you got to go down there. They, they have their comedy shows. And like I said, I just had a newborn at that time. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can't really get out at 9, 10 o'clock mm-hmm. at night. Understood. As much as I would love to go out there, mm-hmm. I love it. But, you know, and thankfully, I mean, not thankfully, but I guess with COVID and everything, I can see it on IG. And it's a little mm-hmm. different. It's a little different because mm-hmm. there's nobody in the crowd. But yeah, I get I get the jokes. So, I get yeah, it. Okay. I get the jokes and I laugh. I'm a like, true comedy head appreciates. Right. I, I get it and I like it. So kudos to you for winning Heart of the City. Man, yeah. And once and again, being, shout out to the other two with me, man. Sir Alex and Todd Davis, man. It's amazing to be on Comedy Central. Your name. That's part of your credits. When then whenever when everybody comes, hey, he was on Comedy Central, you know. So folks, yeah, def- he'll plug that at the end. Where to find that on Comedy Central and whatnot. So let's move on to the next next question. I've seen open mics all over now. Okay, this is during COVID. Okay, I've seen when it was warm, people were doing out in Pennsylvania. They had Pennsylvania. They had at some church where mm-hmm. it was like seating. Um, mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle, he's been doing some. I think Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan are doing something in Austin actually very soon in comedy clubs where it's very spaced out. Um, yeah, they're doing it at uh, Mr. Tubbs, believe it or not. Okay, okay. Did you, you know the sauce? I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, see, I used to live in Dallas. So I used to go to oh. Austin. I, I, know, I know the whole place to go. Yeah, and that's like one of the very true black-owned barbecue, like very last few black-owned barbecue, um, not bar- barbecues, um, sauce. Am I right? Yes, yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. a lot right. of people don't know they actually have a large outside venue. I didn't know that. Though. Yeah, that's they the do. At the I factory. Never I never so knew that. they've been doing a lot of stuff there. So that's... They're doing it. So what do you what do you what are you planning to do with the Baltimore community saying like, hey, we gotta get this, we gotta get this the, the art. We gotta get the artists back. We gotta get them, you know, supporting. What are you doing with COVID? Now we're we're people are getting vaccines, we're getting the shots, we're getting awesome. What do you see? How do you predict going forward what you're gonna do for your shows? I look forward to not going back to a level of normalcy ever again. We won't we, we that's, won't. That's, we won't. that's not something that I wanna ever get back to. I would, when we do come back, I look forward to incorporating way more measures, just even if you have the vaccine, like once this, just incorporating measures that some of them are already there, but like hand sanitizing, spacing out, some of the, like, like it needs to go back to your ushers wearing gloves, right. you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of the equipment being wiped down, not for cleaning purposes or not for preservation, but for sanitation purposes now. Because if you just wipe it down with a cloth, that's totally different from using that uh, scent, that hundred uh, percent or that whatever percentage it is to sanitize. You know that Lysol wipe mm-hmm. is way more important than that dust cloth now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like so those are the type of things that I look forward. But I do know that um, and I do look forward to us getting back to a sense of being together. So those are the type of new things that I'm going to incorporate. And with this downtime, I think that a lot of people. Um, we shouldn't just act like I look forward to getting back, but I do look forward to having some type of um, moment of acknowledgement. If it be silence, it be silence. But I may call it a moment of acknowledgement because we did just go through a world pandemic, you know. So I don't want you. I don't want people in. The, chances are very high that there's a percentage of people that are sitting in the audience that were directed that were affected directly by this. So, you know, those are the type of things. You know, sanitation consideration and you know just more progress and production because i i've seen like ticketmaster and other big men, men big venues are starting to look at 
you have a digital thing on your cell phone. Mm -hmm. You come in, you got vaccinated. You know, it's kind of like the have and have nots, which oh, is kind of, yeah. which is crazy, but I understand it. I understand it. I understand what it all comes down to. And that's something that a lot of entertainment and arts are going to be doing very soon. Mm -hmm. Once June, July hits, you're going to oh, yeah. see we're it. Back. We're back. We're going to come back. You're, and then, you're back. I, don't get me wrong. I'm with, and I've been doing a lot of things virtually. I'm with that. However, we are coming back. We, we, we are coming back and virtual and virtual things are going to go back to what it was, which is where either you can watch this live and there are people there or I'm going to put up this footage next week. So there will be ways to be able to enjoy things. But um, we are a species that depends upon companionship and togetherness, you know, right. so we move as a whole. So we are coming back and um, thank you and shout out to all of the health workers and essential workers and people that are helping us get this vaccine passed around. Tell us about the documentary that you have started that you did, that just came out um, about Baltimore and the comedy scene. Tell us a little bit about it, man. It is called humility. Um, you can check out the trailer at the Baltimore comedy festival website. Um, just Google Baltimore comedy festival or Baltimore And long story short, it showcases and presents from a comedian's perspective, what the Baltimore comedy scene is like and what our audiences presents. The main thing that is presented is, um, and what's told um, a lot throughout is, you'll be able to actually see what separates a Baltimore comedian from every other comedian in the world. And it has over 20 plus comedians in it. And um, there's a director's cut that's coming out. But um, when you get a chance to, I would totally suggest you go, it's only like three bucks. So I totally suggest you go and check out and get a chance to immerse yourself in Baltimore art. It also has a few comedians from other cities in it. it has some people that are in the comedy scene here that are not comedians that are in it. And yeah, it, the, the feedback that I've been getting from it is um, people were shocked at the, uh, people were shocked at how informed it was and people and the outside comedians have been watching it. It's a 50, 50 people are like, I didn't know that Baltimore was that tough. And then other people are like, I knew Baltimore was that tough, and that's a lot. That's why I like going there to work out. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm saying? And that's really what that's really it's it's a it's a totally different perspective. Also, all the music that is on it is um, presented by Baltimore artists, except for one track on the very end. It was a friend of mine from Virginia Beach. But other than that, all the art, all the music on it is original music from um Baltimore artists. Now we'll rewind it back a little bit for a question I was going to ask you, or we talked about a little briefly. If I'm a new comic, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get my feet wet. Mm -hmm. Is there five things that you would say that you would need to do, what you should do, or what type of things that would you just help out somebody who's trying to get into it, comedy? Get on stage as much as possible in the beginning. And that's the rule that should never go away. But once you find out your strategicness and once you find out your patterns and you know when you should and should not be on stage, other than that, like get on stage as much as you possibly can in the beginning. And um, the best advice to, the best, like, like how you say it? Um, I used to say, because I don't watch comics. If you, if I'm at a, even my closest friends, if I see you say something funny, I'm walking out of the room. Because it's like, all right, you're funny. Now I'm looking forward to the next, now, I'm, now I need to be funny. Like, it was all cool and games until you started kissing her like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's my girl. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, so, 
Um, but um, the best advice is, this is very simple. The best advice is when somebody says, that's funny. And the best advice is when somebody says, that's not funny. And usually, you know who to listen to and who not to. But that usually is the best advice. Okay, I like that. You're going to learn everything that you need to learn by being on that stage. Like comedy is on, comedy is, I can teach you how to tell a joke, but I can't teach you how to be funny. I like that. Yeah. One thing that I really like that you've talked about was the storytelling. Mm-hmm. The art of storytelling. And, yeah, that's my weapon. And the way you tell a story and a joke, they go they go hand in hand. And I really like that. Now when I'm thinking about all the comedians I've heard, they always take you through this whole story. I think the person that brings the day I think about right away is Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've seen him so many times, I can tell you. I, like, I, <laughs> I'm just a Chappelle head. And I, hey man, I got a whisper from him too, man. After he saw me and he was leaving out, he, he dabbed me and leaned in and he was like, Rumble, young man. I was like, you know what? We are on our way. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, cause he's he, great, he, man. He, he, he is as cool as he seems on, like, cigarette in hand. He seems like it. Oh, like, very, I would, like, he's like our generation's Dick Gregory, man. Good call. Good call. You know, I, I, like, I like that. I like that. So, okay, we're going to go into the speed, speed round. Let's do it. All right, all right. Speed round questions. All right. Who are your top? Uh, now, I don't want to get you get anybody I mad. Got you, I got you. I don't get anybody mad here. Let's do it. Who are, you, who are your top favorite comics? Top five. Top five. I'm going to do one, um, everybody you know, and I'm going to do one, local guys and comedians, everybody you don't know. How okay, about that? perfect. Uh, John Leguizamo, Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, and that fifth slot is a mix between. <sighs> that last slot is Bill Burr with the little asterisk next to um, Patrice O'Neill. Okay, Bill, Bill Burr is raw. Yeah, he's yeah. raw. And um, local, local and guys you don't know: Quincy Carr, um, Dark Mark Joyner, um, Tink Maria Sanchez, and a caveat asterisk next to comedian Dave Butler. Okay, your favorite open mic you've ever been to. Favorite my open mic, Art of Comedy, Motorhouse, 120 Westmouth Avenue, also my headquarters for the Baltimore Comedy Festival. I was hoping you were going to say that. I was hoping you were going to give Motorhouse a plug. I was hoping that. <laughs> um, um, also, um, uh, Sidebar. Okay, Sidebar. sidebar. Okay, Sidebar. Yeah, okay. Downtown Baltimore every Monday. Um, sidebar, that used to be, that was the kick back. You know, like that was that was a spot where, um, that, that was a spot. That was, that was... I was welcome there before I was welcome anywhere. So. Random thing about sidebar. If you look at the wire, one of the seasons, it looks like they're coming out of sidebar mm-hmm. when they're drinking out. The- mm-hmm. So it's just random. Oh, you know, yeah, I see them all the time. Okay, man, look, random that. thing out the that's, wire. That's, that was my baby, man. That's my baby. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't my baby. That was my homeboy, um, Dark Marsh Jr. That was his room. And, you know, he just let me he let me come in there and hold court sometimes, man. And that's why he's my guy. And like I said, he's definitely a part of the uh, Art of Comedy family. And um, I look forward to seeing um some cool things I know he has coming for you guys. In the awesome. future. All right, so I guess you might have answered my, your favorite venue to perform in, obviously, is. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, the theater. Actually, no. My okay. favorite venue to perform in is not the theater anymore. It's just a small room. Yeah, it's, 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 we do shows in two different rooms, and the small room is the, I have, I've had the greatest set of my life in the big room, but I've had the most fun of my nights in intimate, the small room. Intimate, okay, very intimate, okay. <laughs> 
What's your favorite place to get a, your best crab cake in Baltimore? Um, mm, it's not Moe's. <laughs> um, oh, um, the spot, I can see it. I just can't. I'm going to say what it is, and you're going to tell me what it is, because you know. Um, the spot they got the, the vegan mac and cheese with the uh, crab cakes on the weekend, um, the vegan spot. Soul talking, food vegan so, spot. You, I know you're talking about. Uh, it's a soul food place. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Land of Kush? Yeah. Land they, of got, they got a vegan crab cake that is crazy. Land of, Land of Kush. That's crazy. So I, that was my way of like slithering out of that question. I got like, you. you I, saw I, got, I saw how you got that. <laughs> Your favorite musician? Ooh, Stevie Wonder. Cause I saw you playing records. I saw you oh, doing. Yeah, I saw you doing oh, some man. things Steve, on Stevie Wonder, man. And um, lately, oh man, Stevie Wonder. I like Bobby Womack a lot, but Stevie, I feel like it's somebody lately I've been getting into. But it is. It's um, it's 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 it's, it's this BG. All right, time. Yeah, okay. Stevie Wonder. I leave it alone. I was, okay, about, I, to go. I was I, about to go. I was about to no, go down the road. No worries. I mean, I'm I'm locking a lot of Shaka Khan right now. Uh, nah, I saw. I'm this, oh, really? I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a lot of Shaka Khan. I just I'm I'm going. I'm trying to revert back to music. Like you know how when your like parents were like, this is some good music back in the day. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to become that parent. I'm starting to become that person. Like mm-hmm. I don't really. Li- I, I, no offense, to anybody who likes modern day music. I don't really listen to it anymore. I, I listen to a lot of old you. music, man. I, don't I listen, listen to a little bit of everything. I mean, I listen to a little skirt, skirt every now and again, <laughs> you know. But hey, the uh, BGs just dropped this documentary that's out. I want to say on HBO Showtime. Okay. And like, you know how like I have record, I have music uh, relation. Like I have a huge relationship with like music was my first love. Okay. Like when I was six, I opened up MC Hammer. Like like music, <laughs> like like be able to like. Music was my first love, like dancing, music, all that, like jazz ballet, all of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, I have a huge, huge affinity for, like, like I have a huge love for music. So, I'm watching this, and like I said, I have some things when it comes down to records, because I collect records. I have just some certain things that are cursed. Like, I have some curses. Like, it's some records I just can't ever find, <laughs> or I just can't ever have. And, like, one is uh, Janet Jackson. Okay. I've never, I've bought three. But I've never been able to have a Janet Jackson record. The first time I got home, it wasn't in the sleeve. It was a different record. Mm. The second time, and that's when I was, those was my rookie days. Like, you can tell I wasn't even, like, pulling it you out. I was like, ooh, boom, I want that. Mm-hmm. Thinking it's going to be as fresh as a CD or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, this ain't going to have no skips mm-hmm. and scratches on it. I don't, need to, <laughs> I don't need to look at this. So, But um, didn't have it in the sleeve. The second time, it was... And, I don't even know how. I just remember it just didn't make it home. So that's one curse. Another curse. I've been looking for the BGs, the the album that got more than a woman Saturday yeah. Night Live, all of that. That's classic. That's the classic. one. It's like that that one they dropped that has like five bangers on it. Right. I've been thinking all my life it was the the one with the three faces on it where they yeah. all up at the front. Mm-hmm. I did not know until after watching that documentary. It's the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Yeah, that makes sense more than a woman. Bro. Oh, yeah, 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 for yeah. Do you know how many times I've bought that album feeling like, this might happen. <laughs> like, maybe <laughs> I got another version. Maybe this is the deluxe version. Right. Bro, no. I don't even, bro. It's a soundtrack. It's the soundtrack. Right. And I just was like, man, it was just stupid, man. So little stuff like that. That's, that's how I'm, I can talk about records for Ever, ever, <laughs> like, bro. So yeah, you, you don't do that, man. Your, your, your listeners do not want to hear about how much dust I got in that room, man. They don't. It's cool. 
What's the best advice you've ever received? Mm. Mm. I usually say it a lot because, um, you know, they be like, um, your life can change in a matter of a moment. That's true. But I also believe the decisions that you make, usually you think about them for no, you think for no more than zero to five seconds upon whether you should go eat here or here today. But that decision changed your life, you know? So I'm big on decisions. Like, I'm really big on decisions. It doesn't mean I'm never indecisive, but I'm really big. I'm, I'm, I'm not too much. I'm just big on decisions. I know how important making a decision is. So short one, and I say it all the time, don't let your analysis turn into paralysis. Nice, 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 nice. Where can we find you on the gram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Reels, Clubhouse, whatever they what I mean, there's a million things. By the time <laughs> this by the time you guys hear me, because I'm January first, I'm gonna start doing I'm gonna open up a TikTok. So So it'll be it'll be out. Yep. By the time, okay, okay. Comedian Ivan Martin on TikTok, you will be able to see a side of me that is Way more playful, silly, goofy, and a lot of people have been asking me to put one out. So this is how I talk when I'm just chilling, but usually way more animated, way more playful, way more talkative if this ain't enough for you now. So look forward to exposing that side of myself on TikTok. And you can catch me on Instagram and Facebook at Comedian Ivan Martin. Nice, nice. And anything else you want to share with with everybody? Man, thank you all for checking it out. And be sure to check out the Baltimore Comedy Festival documentary at BaltimoreComedyFestival.com. Also, if you have any questions, any ideas, if you want to do a comedy show in your living room, something cool, fun, nice, intimate, if you want to do something when we all get back, if you have any ideas, if you want to work, collaborate, um, organizations, companies, nonprofits, talk to me. Um, Thank you for listening. Baltimore Comedy Festival. Ivan Martin, best comic 2020, Baltimore Sun. Uh, Thank you. Are the city champion, <laughs> Baltimore Sun 2020 best comedian. There's so many accolades we could do here all day. And I really appreciate you, sir, for coming on. I salute you. I appreciate you helping me out on this season. It's, 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 it's an exciting season. Uh, I call it the mixtape. That's the name, oh, man, that's the name of the season. I like this. It's a no picture dark mixtape. And uh, you're a part of it. And I just, I think it, the reason why I just, I've always wanted to be a rapper and I want oh, to have a mixtape. So, how that. can I have a mixtape? Ain't nothing wrong with that. So, so this is my podcast. And it's funny how every rapper got a podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be <laughs> like, man, you better at podcasts than you is rapping. Right. <laughs> drunk, was it? The drunk guys? Drink what? champs. Drink champs. They're really good. Oh, They're really one of the favorite. funny thing is, Nori was funny before that. Right. Because right. remember, Nori was in a belly. No, they're not. Not, not Valley. Paid him full. And he was hilarious, man. You I, know, I little, do. Little Chi-Chi, little Willie. But you know you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, again, this is part of the special Black History Month explosion. I want everybody to understand we got some beautiful, smart people in Baltimore doing their big things, doing positive things. And that's what this is all about, being about a community. The artists out here, the entrepreneurs out yeah. here. Support, support, support. Love, peace, happiness. And we're out. Yeah, man. You ever realize how...